Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Torah Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Obviously I'm asking you to put your hands in your pocket, pay it forward and keep this left-leaning progressive podcast platform going. We have no ads, we rely entirely on your generosity to keep it free for everyone. So while you're listening to this podcast, please take 30 seconds to click the link that says patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. It's at the top of the podcast. Have a look and see if there's a level there that suits your budget that can help us carve out that little bit of space to keep the mics on, the lights on, the bills paid, and the conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. You get a ton of additional content, including this week alone, Rory put the team together for the analysis, a pre-budget analysis for Budget 2024. Really great conversations there. Also, my conversation with Emmett Kirwin and Aoife Moore is sitting there right now for you if you want to have a look at it, alongside nearly 1,400 of our back catalogue at this stage. And you'll be joining a lovely little online community that we've, that we've developed here that wants to see progressive left-leaning change, not just in Ireland, but across the globe. So that link again is patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for the liking, sharing, telling people about us. We have no ads, as I say all the time. We can't afford bloody ads. We rely on word of mouth. So every time you recommend someone and they discover us, thank you for that. It makes all the difference. I know last year we saw that one of our main sources of recommendations was coming from WhatsApp channels. Don't ask me how Meta know that, but they seem to know everything. Uh, But that's a subject matter of another podcast entirely. I am shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I am back flying solo because the other fella couldn't get out of bed. I, ki- I kid because I well, because I don't like him anymore, but he is unwell and he's been battling this, as you know, but he's hoping to be back on his feet next Thursday evening in the Sugar Club where he will be talking to, and I'm not going to give the names, but two former RTE talent. Wasn't that the phrase they used in the Oireachtas Committee? Top talent. Uh, two people who've left RTE but never signed any non-disclosure agreements and they will lift the lid on the two-tier work practices. And, I, and I'm telling you now grab the tickets come along there's still a handful of them left on eventbrite.ie and i'm gonna plug my own thing i will then be sitting down with uh Aoife moore who you know now as the best-selling author Aoife moore of her new book the long game at the same time i'll be joined by emmett kirwin writer actor playwright and you know probably talus finest no with apologies to lynn rowan um but he's definitely up there lynn so don't get mad at me uh, i'll be joined by them so it'll be a great evening entertainment and i'm really looking forward to it. there's a handful of tickets left as i said link is at the bottom of the podcast you're listening to now enough plugging done i am absolutely delighted to be joined by um i'm gonna say the director i don't know if you actually are the director of the um the liffy salmon project uh, mark mcandrew but mark it's great to see you and are you the director or am i just making that up yeah no director would probably be my my title and my role um, so the Liffy Salmon Project for people who are coming to this cold tell them what it is and, and, and what you guys are all about before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you want us want to achieve so we're a small non-profit group that was formed about three years ago during COVID to sort of uh, resurrect or protect the, the salmon stocks in the river Liffey after we found out that the salmon had uh, got to a critically low level and when you say critically low level, um, I've you know done a little bit of research. We're talking about somewhere from you know a couple of decades ago, somewhere in the region of sixteen thousand to a, to over just a decade and a half ago, somewhere in the region of a few thousand to now about what mark? Yeah, so the uh, probably about three hundred fish now uh, on average a year. Um, we had two thousand fish. There's two counters on the river. There's one at the the estuary, and there's one at a dam and leak slip. 
So about 10 years ago, there was 2,000 fish, 1,000 went through the second counter up the river. Uh, we were looking then in 2019 when we started that we had probably 300 fish in the lower river and only 19 went through the second counter. Mm. Uh, the counter was out for a few years. So um, now we, we got a full count last year. So we had about 200 fish went through the, the estuary counter and then about 80 through the Dammit Leak Slip. Uh, when you consider that the there's a conservation limit on what you would go up the Liffey and uh, in the lower river it's 1,700 and above the dam is 5,000. So we're, we're quite a long ways off what it should be. Now, just be, I'm very con- cognizant of, as I said, I've done a little bit of research into this knowing that I was going to talk to you, but you keep referring to above the dam and below the dam. Can you give a, a little bit of a, a overview of what you mean when you say that and, and why that's important? Because we'll get to what's called fish passes soon, you know? So the, the Liffey for salmon is divided into into two areas. So there's a big hydro power dam uh, at Leakslip Power Station. And that's there's about 35% of the catchment below that. And then above that, there's 68% of the catchment. But the habitat above the catchment uh, is far superior. There's less barriers on it. There's more tributaries. It's cleaner. It's more countryside. Uh, so ideally, that's why that's 5,000. You would expect a lot more salmon to come from there. At the moment, most of the salmon are coming from the lower part of the river, which is running through virtually the city. Uh, there's a lot of barriers on it. Uh, there's not much spawning and uh, it would, would produce way less salmon. But at the moment, that's keeping the stock uh, alive. And when you say below, the, it's, most of the stock is coming from below the river, you're meaning, you know, from literally the mouth of the river up through the city, out through Island Bridge, out, out, out that direction now. What is, are the challenges facing the um, the actual salmon themselves? Like, are these are these these are man made for the most part now? That the you know the the city has shaped them. Am I correct in that? Yeah, uh, a lot of it is man made. Salmon aren't doing well worldwide. Um, there has been a decline, and there's various reasons for that. But particularly in the Liffey, what we see is that the population, the two populations, are behaving differently. The population above the dam has declined much more rapidly, so it's gone from a thousand to let's say eighty. In 10 years, whereas below the dam, it's gone from 1,000 to 300. Uh, on, on the lower river, we believe it's, it's man-made barriers uh, like weirs are having uh, the biggest impact on, on the, the salmon. And, and when you say, you know, like, um, uh, you know, so weirs are in place, we know we have, we have this, we have put this dam in place because like, like, you know, people might not know this, but much of Dublin's drinking water comes from the Liffey. And it's not actually so, so probably people listen to this, we want to be clear on this, Mark. The water quality is not the issue. It's not like you, people would automatically assume it's water quality. That doesn't seem to be one of the drivers. I, I would think water quality in the Liffey, it's not perfect, but it's better than it has been a lot better. So they took a number of steps. There was way, wastewater treatment plants were upgraded and big pipes were directed that used to direct completely into the Liffey. Also, our drinking water comes from there. Now, the water quality could be better, could be a lot better. But compared to some other rivers where there's a lot of intensive farming, it's a bit better. And particularly the strawberry beds, which is just outside the city, that seems to be, there's a lot of sort of mayflying stuff there now, which can only tolerate clean water. So um, we think the water quality is probably the best it's ever been in the last hundred years. It could be better. But um, I don't think it's the major driver. It's that, like that, that's like I mean again. So if you if you're up on an early Sunday morning, I'm out for a long run, and I, I curve around the back, and you come and you come down, you see the strawberry beds. They do look idyllic, and it's not far from the city centre, and it's still you know you could be in, you could be absolutely anywhere. So I you know I can attest to that with my the evidence of my own eyes. Um, just on the on 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 the actual, you keep referring to kind of. Um, the 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 decline in stocks—they're huge. That's literally that's that's 
that's actually uh, flabbergasting. But one of the interesting things and one of the real key things, again, while I was looking into what you guys were doing, one of the reasons it matters, folks, is salmon are not the same across the world. Salmon are different and they're shaped by their environment. And the Liffey has different salmon, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, so the, the Liffey has traditionally used to get the first salmon of the year. So most rivers in Ireland have different openings times. Um, some rivers get an early run of fish. Uh, so the Liffey would open in January traditionally, but some other rivers might not open to February or March or even later. But the Liffey has a special stock of early running fish that uh, only exists in a few rivers now in Ireland. They're still there, but in very small numbers. These are bigger salmon. They're called spring salmon, uh, and they go to sea for, for many years before they come back. And I think it'd be a shame to, to lose them. So we should try and preserve them as, as best we can. Give us a, give us a, what do they look like differently than some of the others? Come on. I, I, I've, I've heard other descriptions that they're, they're that they're not exactly, yeah, uh, they, they're not, that they, they do look different as well because they're a product of their, of the river they come from. Yeah, there, there's, there was a guy, Arthur Went, in the 40s and 50s who wrote all these papers on the salmon of the Liffey. So he noted that the spring salmon that run the Liffey, they're actually shorter and stubbier than yeah, any other yeah. spring salmon in Ireland because they don't go very far. So he thinks they're probably only going to Lucan. And because there's no tributaries for them to spawn in, they're spawning in the main channel in, in, in vicious currents. So these fish have adapted this sort of stubby body to, to deal with these currents. Then on the flip side, he notices the grilts. The grilts are the, the salmon which occur in most rivers in Ireland. They're smaller fish which come in the summer, they're about four or five pounds. But he noticed that they were longer and thinner than any other river in Ireland. And he felt that but they had to run, you know, the Liffey would have been a very violent river before the dams. Um, they had to run a long way in sort of violent water. So it helped them to be more aerodynamic or hydro, more hydrodynamic, I guess. <laughs> To, to, to beat the currents, but the two fish have completely different, uh, completely different genetic I, characteristics. I, I know you're probably thinking I'm picking on it, but I think that's fascinating. You know, it, it literally, you know, this is, this is Darwinianism in play where, where they've, they've shown, well, this is where we're going to breed. Therefore, we're going to adopt these characteristics of the terrain where we are. And it, it is important to know that, um, graveling. Right. First of all, explain what it is and explain what needs what what you're trying to do. And then maybe explain to, and, and put a call to people of like, you know, what sort of supports we or what we should be demanding of our uh, political leaders to, to help. OK, so before I talk about gravel, I have to talk about probably the barriers in the river. So, Absolutely. Yes. So I jumped the gun. Yeah. So you have the, um, so you have from the dam down, you have about 35% of the catchment, which is producing most of the salmon. From there down, you have seven weirs or barriers, I call them, but these are man-made weirs, which are put in for mills, which haven't operated in maybe 100 or 200 years. Now, what those weirs have left behind, what they actually do is you have a little bit of running water below them, but once you go above those weirs, the water becomes impounded and slow and dead like a canal. So that slow and dead water has less oxygen in it. All, all the mayflies, all the rich insect life, all the biodiversity doesn't live in it. And it stops the river behaving the way the river should be free flowing. It should have riffled glide and pool. It should have a natural configuration. It just becomes a canal then. Uh, the other point of that is sediments that would naturally travel down the channel like gravels and, and things don't make it down the channel. They get impounded in these deep, slow sections where they're of no use. Whereas in a normal system where there's no barriers or dams, the gravels would come from the Dublin mountains and gradually make their way down and settle in places where the fish can use them to spawn. And I, so, so uh, I, I uh, last what was it? Two weeks ago now we covered the um, 
the awful events we've seen the water what's happening in Loch Ney and um, industrial sand extraction has caused a lot of this despite you know this is what's been happening there it's not just it is nitrate runoff it is industrial sand extraction it is um, a confluence of its political negligence as well uh, and profiteering from the but but what we're talking about here is actually saying how do we um, restore the balance but you, you, you're, I'm right in saying that at least the Liffey, what the Liffey has going for it is that there's none of that kind of activity going on it um, yeah, no, there's, there's not, it is having problems in the above the dam and leaks, the, the trout numbers have dropped off and there's been a call and there'll be a couple of surveys done uh, there's a couple of wastewater treatment plants malfunctioning there a little bit and there's some farming but it's not highly intensive hang on so so, so there have been issues up above the dam whereby we've seen higher nitrate levels and and unfortunately discharges that have made the water yeah know. there's there's been like there's, there's a big wastewater treatment plant in Ballymore Eustace so that was um that uh, there was a case court case taken against that recently by inland fisheries against them and then there's some other areas there. They believe there's excessive aluminium and stuff and things in the water. So the water quality, that was the salmon factory of the, of the Liffey. So that isn't producing what, what it used to either. Well, aluminium is very dangerous. Like, Yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff going in. So that area would have been pristine going back 50 or 60 years. So that middle upper section below Pulafuca has declined a little bit. Um, the lower and, Liffey is improved. And, and, and trout would be one of the main fish stocks in the Liffey. Yes, yeah, so you, you're, you've, if trout are sort of pro- probably the most numerous fish, I guess, and it's a, it, it's a multi-stock fishery, so you have pike in it and perch in it, but traditionally it would have only been trout and salmon, uh, till, till man introduced the others. Really? I didn't, I wasn't aware that these were, so it was, so these were, so the pike and the, and, and the rest were brought in by ourselves, were they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like most of our like, big lakes in Ireland have, have trout would have had trout and salmon traditionally uh pike there there was a stock of pike in some places that yeah pre-ice age then the normans brought some more in but perch and roach and, and all these are, are all invasive i so remember I, I remember swimming in the canal by uh the 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 um bakery in it and uh at at, at cross guns bridge there and uh the big fear was oh there'll be a pike there the pike will get you you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, there's always a story about a monster pike in every yeah, canal or every, every that, section that, of the canal they're always that was the that was the fear um but but when you think about it now you know you look at it through through hindsight like um the water quality now is is probably as good as it's been uh, you know that we we know more now we we treat water better now is is the at least at least in theory yeah, the in like the way wastewater treatment is getting better for the most part, but the plants can't handle the demand. A lot of them are over capacity, and then funding needs to be like there's examples in Kells and and Virginia and Mead where the plant is totally oversubscribed. Anytime there's a bit of rain, raw sewage is discharged into streams, mm. so the plants aren't keeping up with the demand for housing. So funds have to be allocated to make sure they can deal with deal with the load. Um. The main polluter at the moment seems to be farming, definitely on, on, on some rivers, intensive farming, slurry and stuff going in, excessive nitrates. Yeah, but, well, I, I, I did refer to it previously on the Loch Ney one as uh, two types of chicken shit. The chicken shit that, uh, that, that has been spread on the land and the chicken shit of getting things done who don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is a huge chicken shit itself, folks, by the way, it's a huge problem in Ireland. It's a huge problem. It's been, it's been, uh, it's coming from the, from the border counties into the Republic and been used in, and it's, it's washing into our water systems. I just back to the physical weirs that are no longer 
longer they no longer needed for what they're doing should they be removed my my opinion is they should be. So there's been a big push. Um, there's been a big push all over the world to uh, to to get barriers out. We've been a little bit slow here. Inland fisheries have mapped all the barriers in Ireland now, six thousand, but they're finding it difficult to get them out due to politics and people like the look of them or yeah. people want them, uh, you know, protected as heritage structures and things like that. In other countries, it's taken a much more hard line. They're having a massive effect on biodiversity because they're they're altering the river artificially, turning into a dead, uh, un- unproductive section um, in terms of biodiversity. And, you know, the other thing is with global warming coming, the section above the weir can be a few temperatures, degrees higher, which is unsuitable for trout and salmon and most fish. That cooked water is then coming down the channel. So so basically, yeah, so this makes total sense that if you were, if you've, if you've a, swift moving river and then all of a sudden you have a dead zone yeah. it's going to have a completely different uh, ecological yeah. um, makeup and if you look at the Liffey Liffey is an extreme case so of the Liffey from the dam down to the sea it's about 9 miles 70% of that is impounded so it, it, it's dead and only only 30% is actually natural riffle pool glide where you can have salmon you can have upwing flies you can know caddis mayfly all these things that's tiny that that should be a hundred percent should be a natural free flowing river, and, and and the tributaries that that are needed. How what is the status of like you know because I've I know from um like you know I, I you might have seen the map a couple of years ago where they were putting up saying if there's one and a half degrees of global warming that it's goodbye to the silicone docks and it's goodbye to Clontarf and it's goodbye to all and you know people were going oh well look this part of you know the the houses on uh, Griffith Avenue will now be will now be sea view houses and um and this kind of mentality but when we talk about it in terms of you know the the fixing the the river flowing out surely this is this is kind of a no brainer no. Yeah, no, I think so. So, like, this is this is something that can be dealt with. So, at the moment, what's happening around the country is they're putting fish passes on some of them. Um, you know, they come to an amicable to keep everyone happy. Now, the fish passes are very expensive. They could be 100 grand, 200 grand, sometimes even over a million or plus. Um, to do that takes a lot of time and a lot of money. To do that in every barrier in Ireland is going to take too long. When you look at countries like Denmark, they're going in and some rivers, they're moving 40 at a time. They're just saying, these have to go. We know they have to go. We're not worried about people's feelings or, you know, people's attachment to them. Um, the other thing I haven't mentioned is they're a barrier to fish. So they're not letting fish up or down. So adult fish struggle to get over them. The small fish, the juvenile salmon and trout migrating downstream don't get down. And they're also a barrier to other species like eels and lamprey. So that's affecting the biodiversity. So the richer the ecosystem, the more likely it is to thrive. Now, on two tributaries of the Liffey, there's actually barriers on those tributaries as well. One of them is the River Rye. Uh, there's a barrier in a golf course. And there's actually, they did a genetic survey and the, the trout populations either side of it are distinct now. They've been separated for probably a couple of hundred years and there's no movement of fish. Uh, there's a culvert or two on the Griffin, which is in Lucan, but they're the only two tributaries of, of size on the, on the, on the Liffey, lower Liffey. And, um, <clears throat> that's, you know, that- that's scary though because when you think like so we don't remo- we we should be removing these we sh- we absolutely should just because they look good on a on a postcard doesn't mean that we 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 need them but the idea then the fish that are struggling to get upstream to spawn can't actually get down then and so what what's the lot that's why that is this one of the reasons we're losing such like where we're seeing dramatic declines in the numbers yeah there's the studies to say in Scotland that rivers that don't have barriers the smolts which are the juvenile salmon they're very vulnerable to predation and also they can get quite, if they're in the river for too long, they can get unwell. 
but where there's no barriers, they can get out in a couple of days. Whereas somewhere like the Liffey, where they come, let's say they're coming from Ballymore Eustace, they're hitting the jam at League Slip. They'll stop there for a while, then they come down, they hit the next weir and the next weir. So it takes them weeks. And they get, they actually build up, they get very anxious. It might take them weeks to go past one. They wait, they wait and they wait till they can't wait anymore. And then they finally push, but they're being picked off all the time on their way down. This is why, this is why everywhere I go, I see herons. Um, yeah, having, yeah, herons, ha- cormorants on weirs. Yeah, waiting. Yeah, yeah, cormorants sitting there, herons sitting there, egrets, you know, these are, these, yeah. this is, this is, uh, yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense, but it also is, it's a scary thought when you say we've gone from a couple of thousand down to a few hundred now. So, um, in terms of then what, you know, uh, I, a few years ago, I had a conversation with a gentleman who was, who was helping, um, do natural flood defences not by putting in you know concrete barriers, but going upstream yeah. and planting trees and going upstream and yeah. and and putting in different types of things that are going to take out the groundwater and actually you know stuff that it doesn't cost millions, but um, but governments don't tend to like because it's not a big infrastructure project. They like something that you know they can they can put a name on. Are there things like that that could be done that 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 you know natural um restoration processes as opposed to you know let's have these fish passes as you say that that could cost millions yeah well in terms of flooding so there's a couple of things they do there's like um flood alleviation schemes which on the river daughter here they just did one on the lower river and as you say they prefer a project you know if people's houses are flooding they prefer to stick up big walls yeah. to show that they've done something um you know, there's, there's solutions that are just as good, if not better. But as you said, there's actually measures you could take upstream. Like in the daughter now, they're re-wetting the bogs that feed the daughter so that it, it holds back the water. Planting more trees up in the catchment will, will also take some of the water out of it. But the idea is you restore the natural process where the water is held back naturally rather than just trying to hem the river in behind massive walls and, 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 and push the water through quickly. Um, the other one is the arterial drainage scheme. Now we're lucky it hasn't been done on any of the Dublin rivers to any great degree or probably at all, but it, it's happened on most of our rivers in the Midlands where there's a lot of farming. They've gone in and turned them into canals. They've dug them out. They've straightened them where effectively no salmon or trout can live in those anymore. They've turned them into canals with diggers. That's still going on to this day. Um, it's absolutely vandalism. So um, how it's going on is beyond me. But in the 70s, they made a big push and they did it. And they just, they ruined m- most of our most of our natural rivers. That's um I I wasn't aware of that and I've, I I I have driven across you know parts of France where you see how they've you know ch- changed rivers into canal uh, areas and just for agriculture and it never occurred to me with the damage we were doing to the fish stocks while we were doing that you know um but it's I I wasn't aware that it was taking place here but just on first of all I want to say it's very important uh, that listeners know that if the daughter floods it doesn't really matter because it hits the south side and we don't really care about them <laughs> um but that's uh, but, but nonetheless just in in if I gave you uh if I gave you a magic wand and said you're going in there to the Department of Environment and we're gonna give you uh gonna give you free reign and I, and I'm conscious by the way I should have said this at the outset that you're not this is uh this is a passion of yours because you're actually you're into fly fishing you want to, you you know you love that's that's your that's something you're you're, you're not just something that uh that that you know you're 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 concerned about just for this you believe in you know the the cultivation of of the rivers you know catch and release and making sure that we that were there were custodians of the land as well and the rivers in the land but if i gave you the 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 the, the opportunity to say well look go in there and what what would you do what would be the first couple of things you'd love to do mark 
Um, yeah, no, I, I think we could take a harder stance on barriers. We're, we're way behind. A lot of other countries are doing it. So, you know, let's go in and, and let's give inland fisheries and the bodies the power to remove them, um, you know, pretty quickly. You know, we did, this is what we're doing. We're, we're the body who makes these decisions. We can take them out. I would stop the arterial drainage scheme where we're dredging rivers. I think it's, it's crazy. And then I would like to stop people building on right on the riparian zone of the river. I think every river should have a buffer zone. The reason we need flood walls and stuff is because people are building on the banks of the rivers. There should be a buffer zone, a biodiversity zone on each river. So even for greenways and stuff, they shouldn't be right on the edge. There needs to be a, you know, a zone where, where the natural vegetation is allowed to thrive. Yeah, and I suppose... Um like all of that actually sounds quite uh, basic. Let's tell the truth here. We're not yeah, trying to. No, it's, it's it's definitely achievable. It's, it's, um, it's not revolutionary anyway. You know. No, I think it would make a big difference. Um, just the come back to the fish passes before we wrap. These the idea of these fish passes. Um, some of them in Ireland are quite old, and um, they're 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 not fit for purpose. Yeah. So the. So uh, on most of the weirs on the, the lower Liffey, there's fish passes, but they're only designed for adult salmon. So any other fish, an lamprey, an eel, a smaller trout, or even um, small salmon coming down the other way, can't use it. So in that sense, it only lets one thing up, so it makes the biodiversity. We also have the dam at Leak Slip, and the dams on the ESP dams are, in there, are the passes are, you know, what, they're 80 years old. Um, so it, there's a Borland lift, which takes the fish up by lift, but you know, it, it's it's a very hang old on, technology. Hang on. S- say that again. There's a, there's a there's a there's a fish elevator, is there? The fish, it's a fish elevator, exactly. So the fish go in, but they've they've trouble finding it, and uh, it's a little slot. The fish are attracted to the main flow on the dam. Yeah. So um, I think technology has come a long way in these fish passes. So anywhere a dam can't be removed, which is probably the case in Leak Slip because they use it as a flood mitigation tool now because the city is bid. But um, yeah, a more mid- modern fish pass is needed there. Um, I don't want remember that that video that went viral of the lads putting the fish in the tube and firing them up into the yeah tube. we we don't want that do we the salmon cannon um yeah. that 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 might that might be a possibility at the dam so there's versions of that which actually just the fish find that themselves and yeah. then shoot them over the dam but I guess the pros of that one are it doesn't mess with the infrastructure of the dam and that'll be the big thing if a fish pass is put on that um, yeah. you know the the dam has a lot of uh, I guess thing, things you need to be wary of structurally. And then, um, that catalogs every fish that goes up really accurately and all species can use it. So, um, that would be see, probably I'd, the, the I'd imagine, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of teenage salmon queuing up to say, I want to go again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to turn around and come back down, give them a slide back down. <laughs> um, but, but that actually, that is one question. When they get upstream, as you said, there's a there's a there's a tendency to you know the fish to be healthier, to be um, in a better situation, but they can't get down in in the numbers that that we need them to get down. So ideally, if they get up there easy, there's a lot more habitat of of a, of a higher quality. So that that above the dam, the first dam should produce a lot more salmon than below the dam. But then on the way down, there's a challenge for them. So on the way back down, they've three ways to come back down. They they come down through the turbine which is fatal, they can come down through the fish pass, which can be fatal because if there's no water in it, they're going to fall a long way. Or they used to have to go under the, the they used to go under a trap. Now, what we got activated uh, about three years ago is a thing called the Smolt Protocol, um, where a trash flap is open at the top of the, the dam and which pulls from the top where the smolts, the small salmon are. 
And uh, we've seen since that has operated, the smolts are going through the reservoir really quickly now. They're, they used to build up there for weeks and the cormorants would arrive in big numbers and pick them off. Mm. So we think that's probably the best way. And also when the trash lap, the turbine isn't on, so there's no chance of mortality. The turbine is just going at 320 RPM. So it's, it's way too quick for a fish to get through it without yeah. being killed. Well, that's that's um, well, that's something, but we need more of that, obviously. Um, just a couple of just a couple of things before we wrap. I just think, like, so first of all, as I said before, we came on air, very familiar with the Liffey growing up. Um, when when it would go out, it would be low tide. You could literally climb down the side and 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 walk on the rocks and pull crabs. You know, like it just in the city, that was how it was. But you know, the rivers around just the the Liffey now. That you know, I'm obviously very familiar with the Talca. We've seen some, you know, attempts to to bring it back to life, and as I said, uh, it's thriving in certain parts. In fact, I remember was it two years ago where they stocked the little um, the little lagoon, and two uh, uh, two otters show, uh, show showed up and ate everything that that had been put in. Like yeah, you know, yeah, I cleaned it out in less than a few days. You know, um, so but the but is the is there is it rebounding? naturally these you know the daughter the talca do you think that there's there is because i know from experience running where i run that i do see more people out fishing than i did 10 years ago you know it's certainly um there's certainly more of a a, a community that whereby there are spots where people go nice quiet areas where they go and they tell me quite often that you know it's it's catch and release but they're 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 competing with a guy who's further down the river should i be hopeful that that, that it actually that, that that there is a little bit of recovery going on there, there is a little bit of recovery. The, the daughter, the daughter is thriving. Uh, the Talca is struggling a little bit every time. You've two populations of fish in both rivers. You've got stocked fish and you've got wild fish. Mm. Now, stocking for me is a slightly controversial issue because where you stock, the research says the wild fish don't do as well. So stocking okay. should be discouraged. But on the daughter, they've reduced the amount of stockies they put in from a thousand to four hundred. They've put in just a manageable amount where, you know, you've got to keep our members happy. There's a big tradition on Paddy's Day where the river's black with people trying to catch us. But yeah. they put just a minimum amount in just to keep the anglers happy and the, the wild fish then flourish. Because the first thing a, a baby fish sees when it hatches is a, sometimes 20 big stockies sitting over it, uh, which wouldn't normally be there. Because uh, the other thing then is that in the Talca, every time the wild population bounces back, there's a fish kill. And there's been a fish kill probably two or three in the last six years. Yeah. Um, and, and quite severe ones, particularly in the Blanchardstown, Ashtown area. Oh, we saw it wash, we saw it wash down as far as, um, Griffith Park, where the people yeah. noticed that, 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 that this is where, you know, and uh, I, I don't want to be a, a prick about it, but you know, you can't accept the, you don't want to upset the sensibilities of, um, Leafy Glass Nevin as well when they're, you know, yeah. when they see it and that, and, and it became an issue there. But, but those fish kills that are happening, that's discharges from, you know, uh, from factories and from, from agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. I would say in the Talca's case, it's probably wastewater and stuff. So you, you normally have two networks in, in urban areas. So you have like a, a storm drain and you have a foul. And the default is when you get a lot of rainwater, the foul goes into the storm drain and then, and then leaks into the river. Now, if there's not much water in the river at the time and that stuff isn't washed, uh, you end up getting a massive fish kill. Um, the sometimes like in the Talca, there was one there in Mulhudder, there was a really bad fish kill, like a tire or something went into a drain, blocked the foul and the foul went into the storm. And then that was, and that one, that one was well publicized. There was one only a few months ago on the Talca that hasn't been publicized yet, but, um, the Talca could recover. 
Um, if it just gets a chance, every couple of years there's a kill on it. But in parts of it, like the Talk has much bigger fish than anywhere else in in um, in Dublin. It's a limestone river. It's much richer. So the Dodder is quite a peaty river. The Liffey is 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 half and half. But the, if you want to see big wild trout, the the Talk is the place to go. Yeah, no. I, again, as I said, it's it's obviously the best river in Dublin. We've established that. <laughs> um, but but uh, no, look, Mark. I really appreciate your time. Can I just ask one final thing for people who are listening? Um, can they support? Can they check out the work you guys are doing? Where where can they find you? Okay, so I guess I'll just talk about the work that we did this summer. So we were touching on it earlier. So because of the barriers on the Liffey, the gravels that the salmon need to spawn don't make it down the channel past the dam or the weirs. So what we're actually doing in the strawberry beds is we were artificially putting gravels in for the salmon to use. And hopefully now we'll see salmon spawning on that in December or January. Uh, us, but in terms do, of our doing group, that, this is These are JCBs that you're bringing gravel in with, yeah? Yeah, so actually... We were lucky enough that we found gravel of, of the size necessary, but we found it in Blessington, which is on the, the Liffey catchment. So it was actually the same gravel that should have actually made its way should down. Should have made its way down, yeah. Yeah, so it was actually all the natural stuff. So we brought that to the strawberry beds. It was then brought in as a dumper and we had a ecologist, Revis Limited, which specialised in river works. They dispersed the gravel, but in a manner where the fish could use, it has to be at a certain angle, only in a certain part of the pool. And also they put it in a way that it would not be washed. Now, we think we'll get five, maybe 10 years out of that. But if the river was natural and the barriers weren't there, um, like the river rye could feed gravel into the Liffey, but the weirs are catching the gravel. If, if the river was natural, that could be a natural movement of gravel every flood down the channel. But what's happening, the gravel that used to be in these fast flowing sections is now ending up in deep dead sections where it's useless. So we have to do it manually. If we got the barriers out, um, it would definitely improve things a lot. But maybe with the Liffey having a dam on it, or actually has three dams on it, um, it might always have to be done artificially to some extent. But, the, but so, and, and can I ask you, who's funding that? So the, we started, there's a thing called the Salmon and Sea Trout Conservation Fund by Inland Fisheries. So we, we started to go through that with our, with our projects. But you have to pay, um, you have to pay for the work up front and then they reimburse you after. So we actually managed to get some funding from the ESB and also from Intel. And then uh, we reimbursed thereafter by the Salmon and Sea uh, Conservation Fund. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, like realistically, you you, you don't want to be not to be not no offense to Intel and DSP. You don't want to be uh, waiting on on these interests to, to make sure that this is done. You know, they they get to put up the corporate social responsibility logo on it, which is which you know that, fair enough. But at the same time, it's not something that we want to be we want to be dependent on going forward. And um, if people were uh, looking to get involved, can they find you? You're, I think you're on Facebook. Are you? Yeah, there's a there's a Facebook page, Liffy Salmon Projects. If you want to message that. Uh, it'll come to it'll come to one of us probably and, me and, as well. and one of the things Mark does though is he's he's genuinely just into it for the fishing folks that's it you know it's uh, he's he's he, it's he's he's going on about this whole biodiversity and restoration stuff but he just he just loves an owl an owl the fishing chips that's all, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know look, look look Mark McAndrew I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today I hope people get enough out of this to understand why it matters why i mean just just the idea for me and i mean this genuinely the idea for me that that the the salmon look different from our river out that we that runs through the city because of where they come from that's a little bit of that's a little bit of well worth keeping isn't it that's well worth keeping yeah and the other side of it the, the liffey was a nice iconic salmon river even up to the 90s or the early 2000s like you wouldn't have got on a standard island bridge in the 90s there would have been 
drove the guys there in January, February. It was one of the best spring salmon rivers in Ireland. So it always had that connection. Uh, only a mile from the city centre, guys were catching salmon uh, very regularly. And it has that history. And it's a big part. Like if you have Leak Slip, it's the Salmon Leap. You yeah. have the Angler's Rest there in the strawberry beds. So it's 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 sort of interwoven. So if we lose our salmon, yeah, I feel we've lost a bit of ourselves. Yeah, it's a great place. Uh, unfortunately, that is a great place to leave it. Uh, Mark McAndrew, thanks so much for your time. Listen, folks, as I said, we'll be back uh, early next week with plenty coming your way and the live show on Thursday. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.